Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross and today's episode is for you if you, obviously you're interested in the inner work, otherwise you wouldn't be here, would you? Because this is called the Inner Work Conversation. But this is an episode for you if sometimes you struggle with the inner work. It's not unusual, you know, it's not unusual to get stuck when you're doing the inner work. And I'm going to tell you straight off how I see this play out in a lot of my clients when, particularly when they come to me for the first time. Here are the three things, the three ways that I see people getting stuck in the inner work. It's what I would call the dark side of the inner work. I see people getting stuck in their feelings. I see people getting stuck in a state and I see people getting stuck in trying to understand. So if I expand on these three things and then I head into the episode, you'll, you'll probably be able to hear yourself in at least one of these um, examples. When people are doing the inner work, one the first way that I, I see them getting stuck is in the feelings that come up. So they feel vulnerable, they feel chaotic, they feel overwhelmed, they feel um, etc. They get stuck in the feelings and it's not nice, is it, to feel those ways. All of the things that I've just described are probably the opposite of our most desired states. And often what I see is people feeling those ways and either wanting to avoid feeling that way or feeling that way and making themselves wrong for feeling that way. And then it perpetuates more because it's like feeling shit about feeling shit, you know? So that's the first way that I see people getting stuck in the inner work. The second way is I see people getting stuck in the state. So a state is I'm in procrastination. I'm in avoidance. I'm in overcomplicating things. I'm in people pleasing. So I see people getting stuck in a state. And then in particular, in my one-to-one coaching, what they want to bring to the table to talk about is how do I get rid of the procrastinating, the people pleasing, the overcomplicating, when actually that isn't really what we're there to talk about at all. And if if you're relating to that one in particular, that's a really, really popular and common way um, to get stuck in the inner work. I'm going to talk to you about that in this episode. The third thing that I see in my own clients, and also, by the way, in myself from time to time, is wanting to understand what's going on and getting stuck there. This particular one, by the way, this like, I just want to understand why do I feel the way that I feel? And, you know, sometimes that looks like I'm going to go and journal on it for three hours type of thing, which by the way, nothing wrong with journaling, (laughs) but, but, you know, I'm a fan, but it's getting stuck there. It's getting stuck in trying to understand why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Why am I feeling vulnerable in this way? Why do I procrastinate? Why am I people pleasing? Why, 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 why? And we get stuck in that place of trying to understand it and trying to make it make sense, which by the way, a lot of the time it doesn't logically make sense. That's why we get stuck in the understanding. And I actually came across, I was on Pinterest the other day. How underrated is that app, by the way? Anyway, I was on Pinterest the other day and I came across an African proverb that I read a long, long time ago and I thought, wow, that is so, um, that's like how I work. And it, it goes like this. It goes, when you pray, move your feet. And I was like, yes, when you pray, move your feet. Because let me actually, let me read it from, I Googled it. 
let me read it. It says online, it says there's an African proverb that says, when you pray, move your feet. feet. While there is immense value to listening and being still in prayer and in se- and seasons where waiting is what is being asked of us, as this proverb infers, prayer also involves response and action. And I was like, yes, fuck, yes. That's just like the inner work. With Sorry, <laughs> choked on my own saliva. With the inner work, it very much requires us to not press pause on the world, to not get stuck in trying to understand why we feel a certain way or why we're in a certain state of procrastination or perfectionism or people pleasing. But instead, as you know that I'm a big fan of, using your life and business as a curriculum to create change that you want for your inner world, right? So as an example, People will come to me initially and they'll have usually an identity statement. So they'll be like, I am a people pleaser. And because I'm a people pleaser, I have got to admit, or I'm a perfectionist. And therefore, um, you know, I do answer my client emails between 10 and midnight. I can't say no to people. I don't really want to put my prices up because I don't want to offend people or, you know, I just don't want people to feel bad if they can't afford it anymore. And basically they'll tell me all the ways that being this way, this identity of a people pleaser or a perfectionist or whatever it is, they'll tell me all the ways that that is playing out in life and business. And then further to that, I'll be like, okay, so what do you want then in terms of your future? What do you want for your inner world? What do you want for your outer world? By the way, this is like a really 20 second pit stop version of the actual first call that I do with people. So it doesn't quite go like this, right? It's a bit more to it, but I'll then go into like, okay, so tell me what you want. And they'll be like, well, in the future, I'd love my business to look like this. And I'd love that. And I'd love this. Or sometimes they find it really, really hard to tell me what they want because they can't connect to it. And the reason for that is they are projecting their current identity and their current situation onto their future. So this is how it sounds. It's like, I am a people pleaser and I'm a perfectionist. And therefore I do answer emails between 10 and 12 at night. I won't increase my prices. I blah, 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 all of these things. And, you know, that will continue to happen in the future. So I just don't see how my business can grow. Or basically they can't see how they're going to be free from this current state. And therefore they struggle to see a different way moving forward into the future. And it causes a lot of drama in inside of themselves, in their mind and in their emotions when they think about what the future looks like for them, because they can't see any way out of it right? And I'm telling you all of this because the way I structure my work is it's like a cocktail of the inner work paired with using your life and business as a curriculum. So if I give you an example, a really good friend of mine, and I know she doesn't mind me talking about this because she actually said to me in a voice note, you better bloody use this in a podcast episode. (laughs) So Claire, I'm about to talk about you and you've already given me permission. Um, a good friend of mine, Claire, she knows my work very, she knows me very, very well. And she knows my work very, very well. And um, particularly the Thrive First method, let me talk about this for a little minute before I go any further. In the Thrive First, this is relevant, by the way, in the Thrive First method, once a month, we do this thing called the zoom out session. And it, it really is very helpful because it helps you to zoom out and see the woods from the trees, look back over the previous month, take the lessons, take the wisdom, and move forward into the next month by zooming all the way out six to 12 months time, connecting to that future version of yourself that isn't limited by 
what you think is currently possible for your current self, but instead helps you to zoom out so that you could dream a little bit bigger and um, just allow your um, goals to be expansive and really challenge what you believe is possible for you. And then we zoom in over the next four weeks. We set a goal for them. And every Monday we come together to do your high value activities. High value activities are not medium value activities. They're not low level activities. My genuine, genuine belief is we've all got our own very specific amount of time and energy available to us to do business because we've all got different life circumstances, challenges, um, experiences of trauma and conditioning and all of the things. So you know, we all haven't got 24 hours in a day. And even if we did, we can't all use it the same because some of us are, you know, some of us have anxiety and depression to deal with. Some of us are neurodivergent. Some of us are carers for elderly parents and children, et cetera, et cetera. And therefore, any time that we do spend on or in business, I want it to be really I want it to make you feel like fucking hell, I'm satisfied. Like I've got I've got into bed the end of the day and whatever I've drawn. I feel like I am the owner of those decisions and I'm satisfied. And even if I didn't do what I said I was going to do, I own that because I was honoring that the fact that I needed to rest, etc. So my work is all about helping you to build trust with yourself at the same time as expanding what you believe is possible for you by using your life and your business as the curriculum in order to do so. Anyway, back to Claire. Claire has a goal in business and in order to make progress towards that goal that means something to her, not only, and by the way, I just want to be really clear, for me, goals are only there to help us expand what we believe is possible for us. The high value activities that we actually do, the steps that we take towards that goal are actually what's more important than reaching the goal itself. Because in doing the high value activities, we give ourselves evidence that we can do things that we didn't previously think that we could do. And therefore, the gift that we get from pursuing the goal is much greater than the achievement of the goal itself. I hope that that's important, right? So if you need to replay that bit a couple of times, please do, because that is so, that's such an important piece of my work. You do not do my work. And if you do not achieve your goal, you do not feel like a piece of shit because of it. And you can go to any of my clients and you can ask that question and they will, they will attest anyway, that. So anyway, Claire's got a goal. She's, um, she's telling me about her goal and how it's going for her. And anyway, (laughs) she sent this client the proposal. That was a high value activity. And in her own words, she was like, I don't know why I stalled so much on sending that proposal. I could have sent it days ago. Then she goes on to say, I do know I was stalling and I know why I was stalling because I was full of self-doubt and all of the hypothetical bad outcomes were flooding my mind. Well, what if he gets it and he doesn't like it? What if he gets it and he doesn't think it's good enough? What if he gets it and he doesn't like my pricing or he thinks I'm charging too much? And all of these hypothetical outcomes were flooding her mind before she had the opportunity to take the action that would actually put her in the position of doing the actual thing that helps her grow, right? And anyway, she does the thing, the client comes back and says, looks great, just need to consult with my business partner, all of the things. But what I, the reason that I bring this particular example up is that is what high value activity is there for. It's not a medium level activity. It's not a low level activity. It's a high level activity because, and let me give you an example, um, a medium to low value activity would have been 
send the proposal to five of my mates and get their opinion on it. That would have been a medium to low level activity because all of their opinions are all subjective. Number one. Number two, they are not the client. (laughs) Number three, um, the activity itself does not help her to take progress towards the goal. Not really. The higher value activity is get the proposal across to the client, decide that it is good enough and get it sent across to the client and put yourself in the position where you could be rejected or you could fail and then allow yourself the trust that you will be able to navigate things from there. So can you see how all of this fits together? Like if we have an identity statement that is, oh, you know, I'm just, I am just really terrible with failure. And therefore, I'm not saying this applies to my friend Claire now, I'm going away from Claire's example, I'm just being hypothetical. But if we have an identity statement that is, oh, I'm just really bad at failure, I just really hate rejection, therefore you're going to be saying things and and um, convincing yourself that you are a person who stalls and procrastinates. You are a person who doesn't get shit done. And you will then also perpetuate if you don't pair the inner work with action, i.e., pray with your hands and move with your feet. If you don't pair those two things together, you will perpetuate that identity into your future and you will have big dramas in yourself about your future because you will be perpetuating your current identities that don't serve you into your future and wondering why you feel so overwhelmed by what could be possible for you. So I know for me, when my one-to-one clients come come to me for the first time and I say, okay, so just so I'm clear, is this what you want? And I'm like, you know, examples are, you know, for it feel to be easier and in flow or for them to be navigating business with more um, ease. I've already said that one. Or for them to increase their prices in future or whatever it is for them to drop work that doesn't light them up anymore. And I, I can see in them that that is what they really want, but they can't see that that is going to be possible for them because they're stuck in the current identity now. And therefore, I will not encourage my clients to stay stuck in the understanding phase. That is why I do the work that I do because the understanding is important. So things like therapy and um, practices that allow you to to acknowledge and understand yourself in a deeper way, they are important, but they are not a prerequisite to this work that I do. They are not a requirement to this work that I do nor will I try and dig into my client's past and try to get them into a state. Like some of my clients, they'll say things to me like, well, I can't do that in business till I've healed from the past. And I'm like, oof, really? Because I genuinely don't feel like you need to be fully healed in order for you to do X, Y, and Z. Fine, go and do the therapy. Fine, go and if it serves you, you, not you in business, like you inside of yourself. Great. That is an that is an amazing thing to do if you have access to it. And, and if you feel like it serves you, that's amazing. However, the reason I structure my work the way that I do is because I don't want my clients to come to me and get stuck in this understanding phase um, without giving them the tools to create the way that they want to be and the things that they want to experience and the way they want business to look in life and business for future, right? So I give them those tools and I help them to use their life and business and things that are just generally happening around them in order to create change in life and in business. If any of you have listened to my old episodes, you will 
remember me talking about the sad swamp and you'll remember me saying, you know, it's okay to go to the sad swamp. I will often visit the sad swamp, particularly when I'm due on. (laughs) I'll often go to the sad swamp and have a good old slosh around in there and I'll kick the mud and I'll be angry and I'll stomp my feet and I'll cry and I'll, but I will not set up camp there. I will not set up camp in the sad swamp. And this is the same. It's like the inner work is there as an activity, not as a place to set up camp. I don't want you getting stuck in the inner work without, you know, so pray, but move your feet. I don't want you just getting stuck in prayer. I want you moving your feet as well. That's my job is to encourage you and run shoulder to shoulder with you while you take those actions that may invoke feelings of discomfort within you, I am there to help you support your own inner world. Do you see the language that I'm using? I am there to help you support your inner world whilst you take the actions in life and in business that might bring things up for you that you would rather avoid. That, that's the work that I do. So, as an example, in my one-to-one, in the inner work journey, which is the four to six month um, space that I hold for my one-to-one clients, we will have fortnightly sessions. And in those fortnightly sessions, we'll often unravel a lot of stuff. And there'll be a lot of light bulb and penny drop moments where my client's like, ah, that's a perspective shift I've never considered before. Ah, that's why I've been doing that thing. Oh, that's why Um, I haven't set up that business structure in my business because I'll give you an example. One of my clients the other day, she was noticing that um, she was getting emails about the level of communication that her clients expected from her. And she felt really bad. She felt like, you know, she was letting people down. She wasn't giving enough. And it started to affect the way she felt about her pricing because she is not a low pricing service. She's, She's a high pricing service. She's a high high priced service. (laughs) And she was going into a bit of a spiral around, you know, should my prices be lowered and all of this stuff. And I was like, hang on a minute. What if we just addressed the issue itself? You know, do you feel like you could be a little bit better with your communication with your clients? And anyway, she'd said, we worked through it. And then she went on her Instagram stories and said, look, this is the way that we work. This is how the communication works. And quite often we sort of trick ourselves in business, particularly when it's service-based business where you are the main person running your business. She went on Instagram stories. She felt like she communicated and I was like, okay, cool. So that Instagram story is going to stay up for 24 hours. What about everyone else? What about all the clients who never see that story? What about all of the new clients who've never worked with you yet, who will never see that story? Can we build that expectation in to your onboarding experience. So can you see what I mean? Now we are in a position where we are addressing something that potentially a a very um, practical business issue that could be improved in her business, but we're not tying that to her identity. There's nothing about her in this. It's all a business issue that we can improve through processes and through strategy and through building in expectations on her in her onboarding process and not make it anything to do with how good she is as a communicator and not make it have any impact on her self-esteem. And where she was at is, 
I'm just, I'm just not worth this amount of money. I'm just doing it really bad. I've never been great at communicating and making it mean something about her and getting stuck in the inner world. And then feeling shit about feeling shit by saying things like, you know, but I should be past stuff like this now because my business is at a certain place. And that's where we get stuck. And that's the value sometimes of having a coach run shoulder to shoulder with you is helping you to separate out what is a very practical business requirement that needs me to action it, that might take my courage, that might take me to hold my gaze with, um, you know, adversity or my own vulnerability at the same time as taking actions that are going to support my future self and what is possible for me. Because this is one of the biggest reasons why my clients struggle at first to dream bigger than what they think is currently possible for them is they don't actually see how they could expand or grow their business or you know work less hours or any of these things based on their current identity and so once we start working through the inner work paired with the action that's where the magic happens and it really does happen because what my clients start to see is evidence through their actions and through having done something that they thought was not possible, was once not possible for them, doing that thing and realizing that their worst hypothetical fear didn't happen. So going back to my friend Claire, when she sent that proposal, the client came back and said, looks great. You know, so, and it's always the way, isn't it? We do the thing that we were most scared of doing. It doesn't go the way that we'd hypothetically catastrophized in our own mind. And then we wonder why we had made it such a big deal in the first place. You know, like I, I will never, ever forget how angry I felt <laughs> before when I was in and in employment and I was longing so much to have my own business so that I could do whatever the fuck work I wanted to do and I just felt so angry like why can't I do this and it's obvious looking back like there were many there were many pieces of my own inner work that I needed to work through but I definitely can look back and say that I prayed and moved my feet and what I mean when I say that is I was fucking petrified. And I, to be honest, like I couldn't see myself as a business owner. Like I couldn't see myself as someone who, I don't know, would be able to sustain themselves in that way. And I think that I needed the evidence of the doing in order for me to see that it was possible for me. But of course, that requires you to go first. It requires you to take the steps in order for you to create the evidence that helps you to see that, oh, actually, when I do these things, the world doesn't fall apart. My greatest hypothetical fears aren't coming true. And actually, now that, I, now that I've done that thing, it wasn't as scary as I first thought. It wasn't such a big deal as I first thought. The world wasn't watching me. The amount of people that I thought were going to be watching and judging me weren't watching and judging me. And maybe I could do other things that are scary too, you know? And all of that to say that when we move through our actions, when we move through the things that we once felt were too scary for us to even approach, we start to build our capacity for our tolerance and capacity for uncertainty we start to build our tolerance and capacity for dealing with adversity and situations that might not go the way we planned or intended for them to go. 
And we start building our tolerance for failure and rejection because we start to trust ourselves more that we actually can navigate through things when they don't go the way we wanted them to go. And sort of the next layer to that is we start to be, we start to see a situation where actually we go after things and we take actions, particularly in business, when we can fail and fall flat on our face. But we start to trust, not through blind faith, but through evidence that what I'm gaining from this failure is a lot more valuable in by way of lessons and the relationship I'm building with myself than the thing going right in the first place. And that, to me, that's the most beautiful part of the work that I do is when I see my own clients get to that place where they are taking the steps and they are intimidated and it is outside of their comfort zone, but they're learning to support themselves more in that place. They're learning to be on their own team and not, this is one of the big things as well, not doing the actions by bullying themselves to do it. So as an example, I know for a lot of my clients, they'll come to me and I'll say, okay, how do you currently make yourself do things? And they'll, they'll be honest and say, I give myself shit. You know, I, I think about how lazy I'm being or how much of a wimp I'm being. And I, I'll say, you know, for fuck's sake, Nick, why don't you just get on and do it? And I just make myself do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably why you're facing burnout every two weeks. That's probably why your self-esteem is on the floor because you've built a relationship with yourself that makes you think that the only way that you can do things is by being a bitch to yourself or being an arsehole to yourself, you know? And the other thing that I see, but just before we wrap this episode up, the other thing that I really see people working through, and it's beautiful to watch, is them not giving themselves shit for feeling their feelings anymore. So what this looks like often is when we start doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily do, because we're we're creating safety within ourselves to hold that expansive action. So what that means in non-fancy terms is we're just making it, we're, we're, we're honoring ourselves by soothing ourselves and being there for ourselves when we feel uncomfortable and difficult emotions, when we're taking the big steps that are scary for us in life and in business. And we're doing that stuff and then we're feeling the feelings as a result of doing that stuff and not making those feelings wrong. So as an example, I had a client this week who was navigating increasing their prices and she had to contact, She not only was she increasing her prices with future clients, she was also increasing her prices with her current clients. And one of the things as we worked through it that was stopping her from doing that was the feeling of, but what if they think I'm selfish? What if they think it's not worth that? What if they think, what if they can't afford it and then I feel guilty? And there were all of these very jumbled up reasons why she was not doing, not taking the action in the first place. So we have to support ourselves through that and, and hold ourselves through those feelings. But then once we've done the thing, we also have to hold ourselves after we've taken the step. So my friend Claire, once she'd sent the proposal, let's say she didn't hear back for a day or two. During that void where there's no communication, that is when you can be the most arseholy to yourself. That's when you can be like, see, knew it was going to be a piece of shit. That's the reason he hasn't got back to you. See, you can never do these things right. See, blah, 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 blah. 
right? For my client who put their prices up, she literally sent the messages, saw that people had read them and they they didn't respond straight away. And in that void, she started to A, fill that void with a lot of assumption and B, started to judge her own feelings. So what that sounded like is, oh, see, I knew that knew this was going to happen. I knew that they weren't going to see the value in it, or I knew that they weren't going to be able to afford the increased prices. And, you know, now I just feel like a complete failure and I'm judging myself for feeling feelings about doing the thing. And we get stuck here. We get stuck in feeling bad about feeling bad. And we can't get out of it instead of seeing, by the way, that the way we feel as a result of doing the thing, of taking the action, is very, very normal. It's a normal thing. It does. It's not a sign that you've done it wrong. It's not a sign that you shouldn't have done the thing in the first place. It's just a sign that you're a human and you've got thoughts about the thing that you've done and you've got some inner work going on and you've got a normal human emotional system and you've got emotions. That's all that that means. It doesn't mean that what you've done was necessarily wrong. It just doesn't feel right. right? <laughs> when you've done something that has required you to step up into your own leadership, that has required courage, that maybe has required you to be a little bit vulnerable or put yourself out there in a way that you haven't done before, prepare for this to bring up some shit. And I say this to my Thrive First Method members every single week. Before we finish that call on a Monday, the question that I always ask them is, and how can you best support yourself this week? What can you see now that we've mapped your week out, which does not look like a time block or anything like that. Now that you've mapped out your high value activities and the way you're going to thrive and the rest that you're going to give yourself and all of the things, how can you see that you're going to need to support yourself? What might you bump up against that you, that might require you to support yourself more? What might you experience that might require you to give yourself a little bit more time this week to soothe your nervous system, to self-coach, etc. right? That's why I ask those questions. If you're a Thrive First Method member and you're listening to this, best believe that I know how much more energy doing your high value activities take because they're not normal activities. They're activities that are usually going to bring up a little bit more I don't know, like vulnerability or um, emotions. <laughs> and I don't want you to bypass those emotions. I want you to be with yourself in those emotions, knowing that they are a very human thing, you know? So instead of seeing those emotions that come up as wrong or unnatural or a sign that it means something, I just want you to see them as they're just normal. It's just a normal reaction. And going right the way back to the beginning of the episode, when I was talking about getting stuck in the inner work, this is exactly what I meant. Sometimes we do the thing and then a feeling comes up because we've done something and we think that it's wrong and we get stuck in that place. Or sometimes we are on our way to doing the thing and we're procrastinating and we're avoiding it and we get stuck in that place. Or sometimes both of those things are happening and instead of being stuck there, we're stuck in trying to understand why all of that's happening, which is, by the way, another another way to avoid doing the thing that requires courage in the first place. And all of this to say, I am here to build your tolerance and capacity for these things, for uncertainty, 
for duality within your emotions, right? Because a lot of the time when you take the high value activities, the things that require courage within yourself, it's probably a lot of the time it means that you feel two very opposing things both at the same time. So I know when I talk to my clients about you know, how things have been for them in business. And they say, yeah, I did set a boundary with that client or I did increase my prices. And I'm like, how did you feel? They're like, oh, mixed. It felt, on one hand, it felt really empowering. But on the other hand, it felt like shit. And I'm like, there it is. Because we're complex. We're not meant to be. I, I'm i noticing as I'm, I don't know why, but as I'm noticing like TV at the moment is bringing up a lot for me. I don't watch much TV, but the stuff that I do watch, it's sort of starting to make me realize that successful, in inverted commas, successful people on telly or in films have only ever really been painted one way, like really successful, but without emotion (laughs) or, you know, some sort of like loopy artist that isn't very successful in financial terms. And it's like, where are the examples of the successful people in business who are emotional and who own that they are a very normal human being that have their own inner worlds to navigate at the same time as navigating business and doing things in business that help them to find success on their terms. Which by the way, success doesn't always mean running a seven-figure business. Success sometimes means standing in the playground waiting for your kids, not thinking about the emails that you've got to answer you know, and we define that together. When you work with me, we define what success looks like so that you know where you are on your way to. And that's important. It's important that not only have you identified your North Star, the direction that you want to be headed, not necessarily the fine detail that makes you feel completely fucking overwhelmed, but just your North Star, just where you want to be headed, because it's going to act as your fuel. It's going to act as your anchor for the times when it is hard, because it does get hard. And it's, I'm not saying that the work that we do isn't fun. I'm just saying that at times it is challenging because, and it's meant to be, that's normal. If you're experiencing that, totally normal. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that North Star was never meant for you. So stop making it mean that. That's my encouragement to you. I also want to encourage you before I wrap up this episode Um, that if this resonates or if any of my episodes resonate with you, I would love for you to contact me and for us to start talking about how we can work more closely together. You now know I have the Thrive First Method, which is a method that you practice. It's a 12-month program. You can sign up for 12 months at a time and it is there to help you change your own life, DIY styly. There are two tiers to the Thrive First Method, and I'm not going to use time in this episode to explain what that looks like, but I will encourage you to go across to my website, TLB, stands for Thrive Life and Business, tlb.org.uk, and you'll be able to find it on there and all of the details and what the differences are between tier one and tier two. If you feel more called to work with me on a one-to-one basis, then spaces are open. It's really, really simple. If you're not sure what that would look like for you, then you just book in a call and we chat about it. If you're not really a call kind of person, a lot of my clients have started off just with messages and voice notes. That's fine too. 
But this is an encouragement for you to get in touch with me if this work resonates with you and if you want to go a little bit deeper into it. I am here. I am ready. I am waiting for you to contact me. So all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it has encouraged you to not get stuck in the inner work, but to normalize some of the ways that we can sometimes feel when we're doing the inner work, me included, me included. Everything that I've spoken about today, I can talk about it from firsthand experience, not only what my clients have gone through. So all of that said, please never forget, I am always cheering you on. And I really do hope that you are cheering you on too.